everybody, welcome to the First Issue Club podcast. We are the comic book podcast that covers the best, the newest first issues each and every week, and we read them together and talk about them on this podcast. It's in, It's now November. We're in November. It's no, Can you it's, believe it? <laughs> it's No Shave November. Uh, I think some people aren't masturbating during November. There's a lot of things that go into November. And shaving. And shaving, yes. No shaving and no masturbating during November. What's that one called? No Nut November? The, yeah, the, thank you. <laughs> thank you, Caitlin. <laughs> I never thought I would hear that come from your mouth ever. <laughs> well, I was just trying to think. Like, No Shave has always had like a... Yeah, like a, a, a alliteration. Yeah. yeah. What was Mo- Movember? What was that? Was that a thing? Um, That's from, from, keeping your mustache for men's testicular cancer awareness. Oh, oh cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought it was related to Missouri. No, <laughs> the guy named Mo started it. Show okay. me timber. <laughs> we, uh, as you can hear, we have the full club back in action. It's been a while since we've been together. It's been a while. <laughs> since I last got back <laughs> with the club. <laughs> wow. <laughs> uh, I am Budget King. Mike D. Greg Lichtai. Caitlin. And this week we are covering Taskmaster on Marvel and Punchline on DC. We have, this week's episode is all about uh, people, characters getting their first issues in uh, the big two. So, right? There's never been a Taskmaster or a Punchline book. There and has been a Taskmaster book. There has been? Yeah, a, it was back in 2002. Okay, so the, the Do first... Do your research before you just go out spouting nonsense. The first the first real Taskmaster book that matters. <laughs> this this issue is about the the first real books of these characters getting. First punchline book, at least, okay? For sure. Um, but we got some news to cover before we get into those books, those hot, hot books. Speaking of Taskmaster, um, you may have noticed that the cover of it was an homage to the Cable... New Mutants cover, right? New Mutants number eighty-seven. Got it. It's one of the most copied, homaged covers that exists in comics. And if you can picture it in your head, it's Cable, and there's four circles of like people in like targets on the right-hand side because Cable wields a gun. That's exactly right. So a a big thing in comics is that you'll write after, and then the artist name. So you would write after Leffield. Sure. If you're copying his art or like his a composition. Tip of the hat. Right, exactly. Uh, and so people and different creators get really protective over artists copying their work, composition, etc., without giving some sort of credit or nod. It's I would a, agree to that. It's a fine line in the comics world between stealing and um, doing a, an honor to somebody, right? So. I was looking this up because I was like, man, this must be like the 50th cover I've seen do this. And I found this article that says when all these people are writing after Leftfield, they should be writing after Gil Kane. So you look at this cover. There's the original New Mutants cable cover. Mm-hmm. And then here we've got this Avengers 145 cover that oh. is unmistakably copied from. So you're saying that the Leftfield famous cable cover was actually a copy or, it, or an homage. It should have been written as after Kane. Uh-huh. Was it already done like that when he had done the cover? Yeah. People were already saying like after. Oh, oh, sorry. They, I don't know about that. So I, 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 the guy, I guess the first time it was copied was Leftfield. That makes sense. If that's what we're saying, yeah. And subsequently, people have always said after Leftfield. 
they should be left field should have attributed it to Kane. Yeah. Right. And since Gil Kane should have this legacy of having one of the most copied covers of all time, right? Right. We've got a side by side of their arms, the guns. The, I mean, every little detail in the hands is like one to one. Same with right. the composition of the gun. It's like the almost the exact same gun. You notice no feet on both. <laughs> we had to be clever about getting rid of those feet on covers for uh, Rob Layfield. But obviously we're scrolling through here and there's just like cover after cover after cover wow. that yeah. it's been copied on. And then again with Taskmaster this week. So I thought that was an interesting bit of information. Next time you're at your comic shop and see one of those and someone says, oh, it's that left field cover. You can be Actually. like, eh, 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 adjust my glasses. Has, has Rob said anything about this uh, kind of accusation? Because it seems like. A thing where Rob's never quiet about anything. Yeah. He's always vocal, whether it be on his YouTube channel or on Twitter. He's a loudmouth. So if these accusations have came out against him, I would assume he would be the first one to, um, you know, stick up for himself. To, to be honest, we don't know where he stands on this. He, no, we he, don't. So he's not he's not necessarily out and out not giving credit to Gil Kane. Well, I mean... I think he hasn't given him well, credit. I think that, well, the issue is, is that it's courtesy to say after someone on the cover itself. Mm. So as part of the artwork, it's it's extremely customary to write that original creator's name. So if it wasn't he did not in this case. customary at the time, then everybody after him was just not paying attention to the fact that he already jacked it from someone. Right. Yeah. Or not did a nod to Gil Kane. Right. All right. Um, also, Thought Bubble out of Leeds, uh, the, the convention was went online, and, and Mike, you attended some of this. Exactly right. I went to some panels. So as of... How was that red eye back here to record? <laughs> oh, <laughs> br- <laughs> brutal. I got a COVID warning when I Googled it. Don't go anywhere physical for this. <laughs> but yeah, one of the biggest conventions in... Uh, Europe and kind of like a cool, I shouldn't say biggest conventions, one of like the biggest underground independent creator sort of conventions, but they're opening up to more um, publishers and more prominent artists like uh, think you're Jeff Lemire and Matt Kent types. And those two actually had a panel today that I watched that was great. Oh, cool. They talked a little bit about their new Kickstarter book. They, they actually made mention of the Keanu Reeves, Matt Kent book, Berserker, mm-hmm. because the guy hosting the panel was like, speaking of, that made like $1.4 million, that Kickstarter. And it was really interesting to see Matt Kent's reaction because he was like, I just want to be clear, I don't get any of that money. Greg and I had a conversation on our Patreon, what, a week ago mm-hmm. about how it feels kind of icky that publishers are kickstarting things when they're the people who've got the money and the clout capital and the the ability to get things published whereas kickstarters meant for more people who were trying to like yeah it seems like they shouldn't be allowed to do it it's it's, it does kickstarter is kind of the new pre-release it's just it's like become just a format of Which a way sucks and it should not be that yeah i mean it's supposed to be like hey i couldn't do this without your financing so help me out i'm the little guy right so i his perspective on it was that initially he didn't like it and he was getting a lot of commentary from people saying they didn't like it 
but in the same respect, he felt like the link shareability of it made it open a lot of doors to people who would otherwise have not pre-ordered a graphic novel or gone out and purchased a comic. Right. That having it on Kickstarter and this new thing that you feel like you're a part of brought a lot of new people to the medium. And for him, that's an exciting thing, especially since it's one of his books. So I get that perspective. I, it's hard to rationalize when you're just like involved in a thing that it the publisher be, says, hey, we're doing this now. Like a gracious way of just saying like, I'm not going to throw the baby out. <laughs> like, yeah. I'm glad a lot of new people liked this, but it still sucks that yeah. I don't actually get any of that. And it didn't, it wasn't something I could do. Well, I, I would just say Leeds is interesting. And I think that there's some value in checking out some of these digital conventions because they are trying to do a lot to say, um, you know, normally new creators would have a great springboard to table and sell their stuff that they're not getting this year. Um, so come to this website, check out these people's wares, order things that interest you, support creators. Um, and that's really a huge focus of Thought Bubble Leads. So that site's going to stay up for a while. You can peruse all different types of Did you creators. have to pay anything to attend? No, uh-uh. Free. You can make a donation and they'll send you a Tulula toy um, print and a t-shirt that would be would have been like the admission price. Sure, so yeah. you get something physical and fun. That's awesome. To way to do it. So what is it? Thoughtbubble.com? For I this? think it's Thought Bubble Leads. Okay. So I think if you just Google Thought Bubble Convention, yep. it'll come up. You'll find it. Yeah. Or uh, if you're on Explorer. Sorry, I didn't mean to say Google. Okay, guys. Yeah, we, we still ride with Netscape, so easy. <laughs> Ask Jeeves. Is Bing even a thing anymore? Yeah, I don't know I, that I it think, is. Bing is a thing. Is. Ask Jeeves. No. Gone, gone, gone. It's just Jeeves. <laughs> okay, there we go. Imbecile. <laughs> Another news. Uh, <laughs> I'm sorry. I have to pause to laugh at being called imbecile. <laughs> For not knowing For a certain that engine. ass Jeeves had been changed. You fucking casual. To Jeeves. What a simp. Um, okay, so uh, Boom, I think relaunched might be the word, but at least came out with a number one title titled Power Rangers, which would be that they are essentially re-upping it um and uh ryan parrot is still on it that comic book was pretty hot had i knew it mostly because of the insane covers that it had oh some of them were like five hundred dollars too there were some cool covers that were just too out of my price range and they were just doing some like banana stuff with like space and they launched a couple new characters and things like that we have talked about doing a power rangers uh book for a long time we didn't cover this one, but um, just the big thing in here is that there's kind of two two branches of Power Rangers, and they're getting an evil dude named Dracon to, like, actually become, like, a Power Ranger with them. I would just say that, like, Power Rangers is moved into very thoroughly, like, mech sci-fi stuff, and it's, like, I remember it as, like, a fifth grader being excited to like watch it and it's just like not that anymore in case you didn't know well correct me if i'm wrong but the tv show that we watched when we were in fifth and sixth grade was really a monster of the week type show you would get the kaiju yeah you'd get the opening sequence of them doing something and then rita repulsa or zordon no zordon was the good guy yeah whatever they would like combine these two parts and put ooze on them and then put it out into the world and you're right, it has evolved now into this giant soap opera out in space with mechs and, you know, alternate reality Power Rangers. And it has, you know, grabbed the existing Power Ranger fan 
base by the eyeballs and it has not let go and it, it's just blossomed into this beautiful thing so it, you're saying it's transcended like nostalgia yeah well i, I think it also kind of like what team and is doing the same thing it yeah and i i i'll admit my guiltiness of this where it's like i was just on the cusp of being into power rangers when people were making fun of me for it so like i remember going oh, over, over to a friend's house totally to watch and like they were I verbatim, this is this is crazy and this dates me. They had purchased a Jenny McCarthy poster <laughs> at like a Sam Goody and they were like super excited about it. And I was like, I have to see who is announced that the White Ranger is going to be. And I just watched it. <laughs> I, I remember coming home after school and putting it on and being like, I know I'm too old for this, but I still want to watch it. And like you said, that was in like, even in like fourth grade, I was like, I shouldn't like this. Yeah. And and I think I've got hangover from that still, where I'm like, I can't get into it. This is for kids. But it it definitely has transcended that a bit. And it, there was a lot of like, it's like, it was very heavily martial arts. It was like kids that are normal high school kids that also fight in mech. So it's like, there's a YA nature to it. But it's like, it's not kids show anymore. And I love that they were able to scale it up. So, So would you, so one of the reasons I'd have stayed away from it thus far has been that being a huge sci-fi fantasy thing with a lot of background that's made it soap opera-y and led it to this place, it always felt like I'd be cracking up, open like a L. Ron Hubbard book to the middle and just being like, what the fuck is going on? <laughs> so I would, I would say that this book was, I would give it a B in like making new, it feel like a first issue new reader readability there was a lot of shit i just didn't know and yeah. they didn't care so it, it, this comic book was not necessary this comic book was for previous power rangers fans okay and i love that it's also on boom and not idw which is like doesn't really matter it but it legitimizes it a little more to me it does yeah i, I feel like it's idw like, uh things <laughs> they do with they would have already met the ghostbusters it feels like less <laughs> of a cash grab yes it, yeah idw is very much a cash grab feeling it, although not I, that there we, haven't ever been quality stories, gonna, but it's just like the naming and the and yeah. the branding and we should on IDW for that, but they also do have a good repertoire of other books yeah. and stuff. Which one I think that um Scarant Hood uh was out on IDW. Oh, and it was great. Uh, I the, really liked this, it yeah, this week. Yeah, which is a, a one in four, which is I've actually never that seems read. too short. I know. <laughs> I don't from know what how, I read. I don't know how they're gonna finish I that. I don't book. either. So but IDW does have like some secret sleepers a lot. They do. Well, No Not November has a lot of news. We got two more news hits to get through really quickly. <laughs> um, DuckTales was announced as a, uh, I guess, a reboot, technically, of, of the uh, the TV show. Woo! And um, you guys, sorry, not DuckTales, Darkwing Duck was announced. Mm -hmm. um, and, and But the reason I said DuckTales is because you guys were fans of the DuckTales series, and I think it's the same creative team. Is that correct? Yep. So yeah. far, we, we came out three years ago, the update. Um on Disney Plus. And Darkwing's in it. Yes. Oh, really? A lot yeah. of the old uh, familiar faces from like those Saturday morning cartoon shows like Tailspin and Darkwing Duck and uh, DuckTales, uh, Mickey Mouse, they're all in there and they make weird appearances and they're updated and you get these updated stories and it's just a phenomenal TV show for children that adults have latched onto much like um, that horse show my Little Pony. A Bojack Horseman? Oh, okay. <laughs> Way oh, different uh, things of the spectrum, my man. <laughs> so, I would say different than, like, it didn't create, like, brony level cult status. 
I think it's right. more like it. I don't know that it has transcended nostalgia unless. No, it it definitely heavily relies on nostalgia yeah. to be. Uh, but successful. it is quality. It is it is on its own, just very entertaining. Yeah. So, are you guys fans of the extended Duckaverse? <laughs> um, I would call myself a philosopher. Yeah, sure. Uh, yeah. So uh, if if you uh, feel like you need to quiz me, go right ahead. I think I will pass quite handedly. <laughs> the my my collection is uh it is not necessarily a great comic book collection, but the one thing that I do strive for is getting first appearances of like '90s cartoons. Uh huh. So in some '80s, so I have like the first appearance of Masters of the Universe as like a comic book, and then I have a lot of Ninja Turtles stuff. Like, which is all popping right now. But I got the notification for my first appearance of Darkwing Duck because it was like, oh, this is going to be a show now. So it'll go from worth $3 to worth maybe Six. maybe $8. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so all <Wonderful>. those <laughs> quarter Darkwing Duck books that you own, you can now sell them for yeah. heaps and heaps of money. It makes my uh, collection, like, just uh, rise above, like, not interesting at all. <laughs> To kind of interesting. Yeah, to like moderately get the fuck out of here, kid. <laughs> All I remember about Darkwing Duck was Launchpad McQuack. That name just stuck in my head. Yeah, he, he's, he's in Launchpad's it, right? in all the Duck He's in both. Too. He's in both of them. Yeah. Yeah. Is he? Okay, he's in both things. Dar- Darkwing. He is the common link between the universes. Yeah, he actually is. He actually is. Who? And in the reboot of this this one, he is like the main entry point for Darkwing Duck because Darkwing Duck has a show. It's a little meta, and he's like a big fan of the show. Oh, yeah. It's really good. Is so they're, they're retconning it? Oh, I mean, maybe a little bit. They're rewriting the history. So is, yeah, retconning. Yeah. Is there? Isn't there a character? <laughs> Oh, the definition that you just said. That you yes, just said, that. yes, they're doing that. <laughs> Imbecile. <laughs> is there not a character that's like a robot with um, a visor and a, uni- yeah, a unicycle? Yeah, Duck. Okay. Who's played by? Lin-Manuel Miranda. Oh, oh. <laughs> oh, man. The rise and fall of that was fantastic. <laughs> He's really good in it. I I'm, like it. I'm sure he is. Uh, that character sounded cool, though, until... <laughs> you wouldn't really know it's him. He's okay. not like very you can't hear musical it. about it. You can't it. hear his goatee through his voice. No, but, you no. can't. Budget King's like he's got nothing on Rosie. <laughs> <laughs> She'll always be my favorite one-wheeled robot. <laughs> Just the uh, the slide Jetsons reference. <laughs> I'm not sure I even knew Rosie had one wheel. So that's a that's a hot take. That's a good take. <laughs> Um, okay, last last piece of information, and I think that this is just rumored. I don't know if this is confirmed, <laughs> but the uh, the fake news, <laughs> the yeah. 2005, I believe it was, Const- Keanu Reeves Constantine movie, the mm-hmm. DC DC uh, property, is rumored to have a sequel to that movie, which is mind blowing that they would redo a movie that was mediocre at best and not just re up it and pretend like that movie didn't exist. Out that- of all the things he's done and is doing. I don't know. Do you know? I I think I know what this movie is most famous for, but I wonder if you guys can remember what it might be most famous. I for. I never saw it. Okay, he. Um, this is spoiler. Alert. If if you have not seen this movie and you care about the ending, I'm going straight to the ending. <laughs> As he dies and goes into like uh, passes into the afterlife, he does like double bird middle fingers and like floats away. <laughs> oh, neat. <laughs> 
which I love. I still love. That's You do that in any movie, and that's like A-plus material. That's part of your Criterion collection? Yes, yeah. Double bird de- death. <laughs> well, I think the general public doesn't really recognize this as a comic book movie. I don't think most people that saw it thought of it as a DC comic. No. And, you know, you wonder if they're going to lean into that a little more for a second one. The guy who played Lucifer yesterday, as of this recording, said that this is happening. Which means he'll probably huh. be in it. I would assume so. Because huh. Lucifer and Hellblazer share a common uh, alleyway, if you will. <laughs> <laughs> they run in the same circles. Man, we have done a lot of news. It is time to <laughs> get this podcast and first up we have the punchline comic written by james tinney and the fourth and sam jones with art by murka and dolfo Thanks. Before we get into this, James Tinian, shots fired. With the with the book? With the podcaster references. <laughs> oh. Oh, scum we, of the earth we, podcasters. Yeah. We yeah. hear you loud and clear, <laughs> sir. And to think that we wouldn't catch on that this is specifically about first issue club and the harsh and real takes yeah. we give on all the books we cover. Oh, sir, you are what I would call an imbecile. <laughs> That's, that's the real news here. James yeah. Tinian uh, takes a stab at first issue. Lashing club. out. I'm surprised Bleeding Cool hasn't covered this. Yeah. I know. You're you, you know, throwing he, your career away, man, coming he, after <laughs> moguls like us. Mm-hmm. He's been given a lot of credit for reviving comics during COVID for inventing a new character that gave DC a bunch of sales. But fuck with podcast and uh yeah. that legacy is not gonna last very long hey james who's gonna tell everyone about these great characters <laughs> word of mouth wrong it's podcast buddy yep well, well what we're referring to is punchline in this comic documented her journey on trying to find the joker that she was inspired by him wanted to understand him and made this podcast uh along her journey. So, so we're getting kind of her origin story through that. What's funny is if I, when I was going to give the, if I was met, if I was asked to give like the synopsis of this, I was going to say new Gotham villain inspired by uh, true crime podcasts becomes uh, like villain out of that. It's essentially, I feel like they're making fun of more so true crime pro- podcasts than. Yeah. Your serial, your yeah, S town or whatever. Murder, uh, Whatever the Murderino podcast, my favorite murder. There we go. Yeah, but part of did it. How see- dare you? <laughs> <laughs> well, one thing that I think is really interesting here is that James Tinian wrote a book that we covered a few weeks ago called Department of Truth, which focuses on the idea of like the spread of knowledge and information um, affects enough people, then it does it start to become yeah truth, and I think the same sort of narrative with like information being shared and how easily people can be manipulated and the yeah because it's like still just one side yeah right of her story and everyone's like free her like she didn't do anything wrong exactly right she gets completely swayed yeah great rabid following and then it speaks to like relationships that you know if you fall in love with somebody who's fascinated by this conspiracy theory you're more willing and able to 
commit to that. There was some like layers of complexity here that I thought were really, really interesting. Yeah. And how it drives you away from other people who may not be as into. Exactly right. Which makes you, which makes you further indoctrinated, right? That you're pushing people away who. Yeah. Who don't who, agree who don't with agree. the podcast that you started listening to. <laughs> yeah. Right. Because it has real world people and stories. Totally. So if you if you aren't aware, if you've been living underneath a rock in comic book world, Punchline it was the new character by DC launched in like March, I think. Or right around Joker or, War it was when that started. The beginning of all the quarantining. Yeah. I feel like. And so, and, and that's popped off. And but it was, I wouldn't say controversial. It was just like talked about as like, is she the new Harley Quinn? Is it? This, this, this well, because she fought her pretty early on, right? And yeah. Like the, it was there's a lot of, set up that way. Yep. And so, and it's like another very cute um, goth, like somebody that could be easily cosplayed, but not as like chaotic, like a lot more like serial killer-esque, I would say, or very like leaning into that like split personality type of like thing. How do you think this character holds up against Harley Quinn, I guess, is my question. Initially to me, it seems like a, it seemed like a copycat character. Now... It seems like it's a answer to Harley Quinn in a new modern way that says, hey, Harley Quinn was a character that was abused and used by the Joker. Now we've got a character that put herself in that same situation, but she's the one using the Joker. I thought that was really interesting. It's, that's, that's it's kind played of up in this book, too, I think. Big time. Yeah. Marvel has released a bunch of like newer characters, in the, especially in X-Men. None of which caught on like Punchline, obviously, because I think there was some intention here. But if you are looking to do a money or cash crab thing and you're in the big two, release a new character and you're going to just like have like insane sales. But then you have to ask the question, how long is this character going to stay around? Do they have good character development? Do I even like this character or care? And I think like I like that they're investing in Punchline. And I think that Punchline is I, out of this book. I would say hmm, Punchline's interesting. I think part of the the benefit of having James Tinian co-write alongside Tom King on the Batman run for so long, he really got to integrate and think about his story for when he took over. Right. So you're immediately like, as soon as he comes on as head writer of Batman, he's introducing this character that he's got grander plans for. It's not just like, hey, here's a single story arc of something. M Marvel falls into the trap a lot of saying... We're going to give this creator like a four issue miniseries. And maybe there's a character that you love in that, but they don't have the opportunity to grand plan those things. Right. So speaking of um, something that's supposed to make you maybe love this character, what do you think about that? This book is taking somebody who's a maniac cult leader sort of person who's... Fel fell in love into an infatuation, almost like Twilight the movie status because of um, her run-in with him in high school, right? You're talking about the Joker and her yeah. relationship yeah, with Yeah, sorry, the Joker. sorry. Her run-in with the Joker um, in high school. And the one theme about this, which I love, is that everybody in Gotham has a Joker story, which I, I can totally relate yeah. to that. Like, 
in Kansas City. Everybody has like a Tech Nine story. Yes, uh, Jason oh Jason Sedankis story or a, a puddle of mud story. Famously, super Jesus. Yeah, <laughs> famously from yeah, Super Jesus. Sorry, now we're just yeah. naming <laughs> Kansas City things. Uh, but anyway, yeah, I, I loved that, and that like she became like she it it's. You have to, when you write Gotham characters, all of them have some, they have the capability of having some type of mental illness, which is what would end them up in Arkham Mm -hmm. and not put them on death row. And then you have to like be innovative about why they're existing. And I think creating like a fan person out of this that rises above that is a really interesting arc. Yeah, that's something relatable that makes you want to follow this character. Right. And also super insidious because she is talking about certain things that are broken, which kind of interestingly parallels the world right now. <laughs> like, did, have you seen, it reminded me of um, those girls that were really infatuated with the um, killer from uh, the Columbine and on the like 20 year anniversary, tr- just like bought a ticket to Columbine. And there's a whole like kind of back end of like uh internet where they like share pictures and like draw hearts around his face and stuff oh freaky and she got arrested but i I don't know what her intention was yeah um of obviously probably not good but um it's it's of that same like fan service or maybe ted bundy is a better example of what what happened with ted Bundy. well Yeah. yeah like hundreds of women just writing to him in jail and like how he got married it's one of them didn't he yeah i i feel like too it's like even if they weren't infatuated on that kind of like romanticized level, it still is a thing of where she is point. She's making the chaos of the Joker a little more rooted in reality and painting him in a picture that like almost legitimizes some of the stuff that he's been doing, which is all her doing and leads us to believe like she is going to be much more of a mastermind, Mm -hmm. but it's it's interesting for sure. Yeah, she there, there's a very poetic part of this book that says, I guess poetic in a sense of DC history, that's talking about the Joker's been telling this joke throughout the history of Gotham where he's just creating chaos for no reason. But when does the joke end? And they wind into her name being punchline that... She's more so than just like obsessing over Batman and fucking shit up for no reason. She's got an end game in mind. And she's talking about the city's role in all of this. Right. Like how they benefit from the Joker and how maybe the fact that he keeps escaping is not always by, you know, chance. And just like things that like would actually make somebody in Gotham stop and think, huh. Yeah. Like maybe she's got a point. Maybe the Joker's not necessarily as bad as maybe the city's got, you know, you know, it's just dangerous. <laughs> so so she's she's either leading us to a point where the Joker is able to become much more dangerous or she's going to eclipse the Joker, which I'm just fascinated by this story arc so much. Mirka and Andolfo did the art for this. Yep. Yes. Um, and I, I don't think that she's been on like a full run start to finish for DC. She's done a bunch of DC books mm-hmm. and famously a lot of covers. I, it would be awesome if she got thrown on a full punchline book from start to finish. I would love her to be the main artist for punchline. She was great. I it think was it phenomenal. fits. I think it really does. Yeah. So 
we've did, we initially got exposed to her with unnatural right? yeah and then mercy she's on right now mm-hmm. as well yeah but um yeah so she does all of she does amazing work obviously yeah, yeah. very sex positive mm-hmm. unsacred we met her at c2e2 the only comic convention oh yeah un- unsacred yeah 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 we did meet her very italian yes <laughs> <laughs> that's why uh mike d and budget king relate to her yep. so well <laughs> Um, you walked by and she gave you a wink just like yeah i was like yep yeah i know i i too eat uh lots of meat that's uh cured (laughs) pepperon salami (laughs) gabagol there we go gabagol (laughs) um yep so that is that's my time uh this is a nothing did the kid grab the pizza rolls out of the oven with no gloves on? I I would I can I, I didn't can, see I can that. verify that. I didn't either. I saw her there, grab the bag. There I were remember seeing coming that coming out frame. of the oven, and he was just like, mm, "Yummy!" And like he had no pot holders. He don't was, they? Don't you normally make pizza rolls in a microwave? I this put guy doesn't. I put them in the oven. You put them in the oven. Okay. I've done the microwave before. I was a microwave kid, though. Oh, okay. Let's rewind. Let, didn't really... Let's rewind this podcast because this this is true. Uh, Greg just pointed out, motherfucker pulls a hot pan of pizza rolls out of an oven with his bare hands in this comic book. It's definitely not a microwave. Chaotic evil. He's leaning down to get him. Uh, okay. The view of it looks to be <laughs> oven. Is it mi- a microwave? Well, oh, here's here. It, it's metal. It's a metal sheet, so it can't be a microwave. That's true. The the pizza rolls are on a metal Or it could sheet. be just a gray microwavable platform. Merka, you tell us. In in Italy, <laughs> do they use pot, pan, pot holders to get metal sheets out of ovens? Is that a cultural There's thing no that, that we don't understand? possible way you would let it cool down enough <laughs> to where you could get it out with your bare hands. No, because your food would be cold by oh, that unless, time. Unless he... Okay, here's... This is what it is. You he, get it out of the oven. They're fully baked so that you can put them in the microwave. He, he may not realize that he has MS and he he, oh he, he can't feel his fingers. Oh so we just, well, no, is that no, another really nod to the hand-holding scene later? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. He doesn't know if they're really holding <laughs> he hands doesn't, until he looks he down. He can't actually feel the pain in his fingers. So <laughs> what an interesting little subplot they put in there. <laughs> cracked it wide open. <laughs> And next up, we have Taskmaster, out on Marvel Comics, written by Jed McKay and art by Alessandro Vitti. Taskmaster, if you don't know, is a Marvel villain who uh, actually has been popping back up in in new Marvel shit. And that's why they're giving him his own book again, which I found out. If you listen to the news hit, I found that this is not the first time this happened. (laughs) But Taskmaster is now getting his book that matters uh and uh and we're gonna cover it now so um it's a little bit of his or not his origin story more of just like hey meet taskmaster a, a familiarization with him right yeah it's a little bit of a buddy cop story in some ways it is mm-hmm. i i know what first thing i want to say about this book is that it was obviously supposed to have come out in march yes. to to precede at what at the time was the release date for the black widow marvel movie um, as you're reading this book, there are ads for Marvel comics that come out in like April 2020. Oh, you're so right. Yeah. There's like X Factor ads and it's just like, wait, that book came out like 
five months ago. I fucking own this already. What the <laughs> hell? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, my assumption is is that they printed the thing, and it just like sat in a warehouse, and they waited and waited and waited for COVID to finish, so they could re- get you know the Black Widow release back on calendars, and it never happened, and they were just like. We got to, let's just release this book before it's irrelevant. Is Taskmaster going to be the villain in the Black Widow movie? Yes. yes. Oh, I did not know that yep. at all. Okay, cool. Um, can I ask you guys, can I ask uh, y'all some questions about Taskmaster? Yes. Okay. Uh, is Taskmaster's face a skull? It's a mask. It's a mask. It's correct. a mask. Unlike Red Skull, whose face is a Red Skull. Is Red Skull's face a Red Skull? Well, it was in. I think there's been like some uh, uh, like an acid situation. Yeah. yeah. Okay. He got, he got plum burned up. It's like more of like a red musculo, like skin issue. But it's his... of, but red skull sounds better. Yeah, yeah, it is his face though. He's not wearing a mask, whereas Taskmaster wears a fucking Halloween mask. Yeah, Taskmaster is like a normal guy. He's not like a mutant or a monster. He, he even right. like makes the joke about like Skeletor, even though I guess you, I mean. He never takes it off, though. Do you ever see his real face? That's a character that's popped around in, like, several, like, Spider-Man books and things like that. And I've they've had him unmasked in those. Okay. And he references that he can because yeah. the guy's like, why'd you show up in that to the golf thing? Okay. And he's like, well, I'm not going to risk it for this. <laughs> All right. I got, I got two more ta- Taskmaster questions. His power is that if he watches somebody do something, he can do it. Yeah, they call it photographic reflexes. He's a in, mimic. In Marvel. Okay. Can he mimic something that is not is beyond human capability though? No. Like if if once if someone's power is to fly, he cannot fly. Okay. So he's limited to like uh typical some, human skills. Somebody would say like beta characters, kinda like, you know, Captain America, Hawkeye. Well, so the interesting thing is that Frank Castle. God, that voice you're doing. <laughs> yeah, I love Frank that. Let's keep that up. <laughs> But he couldn't, like, immediately develop super strength. No. No. Like, he couldn't immediately have the super soldier properties or anything like that. To counteract that, he can learn your moves and predict what your next move is going to be. So he may not be able to knock out Steve Rogers, but he can definitely defend himself against Steve Rogers and find a weak point in his combat. He's like Keanu Reeves in The Matrix. Like, I know Kung Fu. Yeah, but he's not... Um... It's not just a skill set thing. It's a specific mastery of another person's yeah. motions, right? right? So it's more of a strategic advantage. Yeah, <laughs> it's just not the same. Okay, so then my third question is, well, this comic book, first of all, is like very on the funny era, uh, like edge of like uh, Deadpool-esque. No. Um, I put him more in the Christopher Cantwell, Doctor Doom realm. So that's what I was at. I was asking: Deadpool. is like, is Taskmaster famously like comedy guy? No, uh-uh. I wouldn't you, say so. I it, was very surprised that this was like a silly, fun comic. I think the silliness might have been to, to Budget King's point earlier. This book is just supposed to get you kind of familiar enough with the character to just be like, I get the idea. Like, before you go see the movie, if you're interested enough to read this thing, it introduces you to him. Right. Why make that complicated and grim? It might as well just be a fun thing, right? This was a very accessible intro to Taskmaster. Totally. I prefer it that way. 
Okay, so the main storyline in this is that Nick Fury goes and grabs Taskmaster and is like, there's a murder, you're getting framed for it. We gotta go on a joyride to figure out who did it. Yeah. Bingo, bingo. Maria Hill's been murdered. Famous S.H.I.E.L.D. agent. So one of my favorite lines, I think the best line in the whole comic book, is they are on a road trip together and apparently Taskmaster has fallen asleep. And uh, Nick Fury says something like, I never want to do that trip again with your sleep apnea. And Taskmaster says, hey, it's a condition. I don't make fun of your eye, which Nick Fury responds with. And that's why I like you. <laughs> it yeah. just felt like, it was like that's <laughs> such great writing. Yeah. yeah. I also found it very, very funny. I think probably the funniest part of the book when he finds out that Black Widow is chasing him. He's like, I'm going to die. Yeah. <laughs> like he has so much bravado. And you're right. Like that Deadpool-esque like just devil may care like i you know but then he finds out that she and it switches very quickly like not that he gets more serious about it but he's just like okay i do need your help in yeah. a bad way we do need to solve i'm this. going to die <laughs> to that point though like this is how i figured out this was a lead up to black widow because they very like in your face say wait black widow the world's best assassin the deadliest person in the world is going to be coming out october 12 better than this bullet list of other people that you are familiar with right they're just like really rampant like she's powerful i loved when he was on the run from black widow he was like okay i can get out of this and they did a like a panel replacement over his face of ghost rider yeah. To show that, like, this is where I got these driving skills from watching <laughs> Ghost Rider. I was like, I hope they keep doing that. I where, do like, too. You've got this big scene, but just like pieces of it where he's in imitating somebody just get yeah. covered with that actual character's like like Superman's like hand like punching somebody or something. They didn't do for the Hawkeye part, which no, sucked. but he he did say it. So yeah. if he's not actively like that was stating a, what he's a, doing a great artistic choice it for was. that scene i loved it every time i hear the name taskmaster i feel like he needs to be a bounce artist where he's like telling people what to do and he's like now work it work it work it work it work it and get on the floor floor <laughs> like, now bounce that ass now bounce that ass <laughs> uh that's that's a that's an interesting point mm-hmm. That's how I would write Taskmaster. <laughs> Send that two letters to the editor. Would, yeah. would they have the power of suggestion? Like, what What would make yeah. them yeah, a yeah. villain in this place? Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I think that they're just, like, so good at tasking people, like, managerial uh, call-outs over a microphone. <laughs> the people just are like, oh, yeah, and now I'm murdering. Yeah, okay, now I'll bounce bank. my ass yeah. now. I mean. <laughs> rob that bank. Now rob that bank. <laughs> I never thought about this, but Taskmaster must be the greatest dancer of all time. Oh, for real. Right? He's All he got, has to do is watch yeah, anybody. He's got Michael Jackson's moves. He's yeah. got Chris Brown. All Not the sure. famous good dancers. He's got moves dancer. like Jagger. I Sting, mean, he's got them all. Sting's uh, sex. <laughs> he just yeah, needs so he to probably, get a sex tape. He probably and read then... the Kama Sutra and was just like, oh, man. I'm I got going this. To yes. destroy <laughs> the the world's greatest lover. Well, but he would have to actually watch it in action, correct? He wouldn't just be able to read. Oh, the book. darn. Too bad porn's not free on the internet. <laughs> nothing to learn from. I need a stepsister in here immediately. (laughs) (laughs) 
I need a that, stepsister. That's a sly joke because apparently all porn now is fucking your stepsibling. Oh, apparently, yeah. That's a that's a uh-huh. nice. It's a nice. So act. they've told us. I'm, somebody's well, told the five me. videos I watched today. That's all it's been for research. Yeah, for this book. God, they're gross. Like, they're like people who aren't into it can get past it, but we might as well just check that box for the people who yeah, are into it. Don't say she's your stepsister, but we'll just label it that. <laughs> I think that there's a, a person's job at like Pornhub to go back and relabel all porn as step something. So it's like <laughs> to get it, more hits. It was just normal porn, but oh, and it's it's actually a stepmom though. It's not in the narrative, but it's somewhere in the headline. There's gotta be enough like SEO research done to know that that makes a difference somehow. Totally, and it's boggling. <laughs> so funny. I wish that like Pornhub would like double down and like go dark during November to. For, to be respectful towards us who are trying to adhere to no nut. No nut, yeah. Because, <laughs> like, seeing the, tem- like, knowing the temptations out there, like, in my private browser is mm-hmm. just, like, really difficult for me, so. At least give you a screen after you've pushed the play button that says, uh, uh, uh. you sure you want a nut, bro? Yeah. <laughs> you looking for that nut? Yeah. Yeah. Maybe you can make some banana nut bread instead. <laughs> but, I guess, in any case, he's going to find... he. The crux of this or like what's going to be fun about the next few issues is they're trying to infiltrate like the hammer database, which is just like a replacement shield when like secret invasion or something killed shield hammer replaced it. And it's got three people and this computer detects their body language. And that's the only way you can get info from this computer that holds the answer. And they all have to be in the same room? And they all have to be in the same room. Okay. Registering within 30 seconds of each other. Um, so he's going to have to do some lightning fast. So he's going to have to do some lightning fast <laughs> imitation of three different people who are Phil Coulson, uh, Okoye, mm-hmm. and uh, White Fox. Yes. So he's going to be in, what, America, Africa... And South Korea. And then come back to... And you just got to do a little quick study session. Yes. Up close yeah. and personal. Right. Because he says he can't watch footage for this one. Right. He has to see their natural movement. Which... I, live and it's a rid- up close. It's a ridiculous scenario. But it's also a really fun one. That gives you just like a lot of room to... And there's no way you would not know what he's about and what he can do afterwards. So perfect yeah, right. introduction. Exactly. Exactly. Who wrote the um the dog book? The dog. Everyone think for a second. Okay, Who wrote the, the dog, dog book? book? Don't say any other words. <laughs> think of every book about a dog, and that it had kind of like a unique take on it that would stick to Budget King's brain. I'm thinking Kibblesmith. That is exactly who okay. it is. That's just his <laughs> last name. Caitlin and I. <laughs> What other book about a dog could he be talking about? I thought about? maybe he meant to say Lockjaw? Dog Bert instead of Dog Book. <laughs> and we're back on the Dilbert. <laughs> it was definitely Kibblesmith, and it's, I forgot. Lockjaw. Man. It's Lockjaw. Lock, there yeah. we go. Yeah, Because it's, yeah. it's got Lockjaw, yeah. Whoo, man. Caitlin knows. She knows Why did you bring that book up? <laughs> because it was really funny. It was like a, oh. like a comedy book, but yeah. it was like a really, also like a good character analysis. Yeah. Like it was a fun book to read. Even though I couldn't remember the title of it. Thank you for taking us on that journey. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and for being a good sport about it. <laughs> Imbecile. Thank you. <laughs> that was an episode. Bite. Uh-oh. 
they gave Budget King the mic to close out the show. Well, that was another episode of First Issue Club, and we are so thankful that you took the time to listen. We did some fun books, Taskmaster, Punchline. Man, do you remember those memories only uh, 47 minutes ago? Well, we had them together, and we'd love to have them again with you next week. We'd like to thank Primary Color Music for doing our music. We'd like to thank the recording studio that is now the moon for making all of our recording uh, dreams come true each and every week. And thank you to you, the listener. Now I'm just going to shout out some uh, random Twitter handles of uh, people that are always commenting to us because they are great. Doug, we love you. Dumplestiltskin. Tom Bevis, PH Dwarf. Tomics Does Comics, we love you. The Wednesday Pull List, and Joe Paquette, double O Joe Pocket. Thanks, guys. Thanks so much for uh, supporting us. Thanks for retweeting or commenting or whatever. I'll keep reading names. I'll, I'll do whatever I want. Because when you give Budget King the end, the keys to close out the episode, that's how it goes. It's crazy. It's like another uh, Batman villain just running, running amok. What's he going to do? He's, he's chaos. He's pure chaos. Well, one thing that's not chaotic is uh, your, your, uh, your patronage to this, to this show. Um, that is steadfast, and we're thankful for it. This is First Issue Club. Signing off.